There's nothing there but memories that bring sorrow. Hey everybody, I'm Mikey, and today we're talking about Properties, the current exhibition at the Western Front. The exhibition, curated by Jesse Birch, brings together the works of four Vancouver-based artists that explore the visible and invisible histories of objects and places. I got a chance to meet with Jesse and talk to him about the show. So this exhibition is called Properties. It uh, includes artworks by four artists who live in Vancouver, um, Lyndall Hall, Devin Knowles, Erdem Tazdan, and Erica Stocking. Um, and all of the works engage with the material histories um, that are embedded in objects. So while a lot of artworks are material-based, these ones particularly point to a, a sort of a backstory or a particular history that is expressed within the, with the materials themselves. Devin Knoll's piece, It's Only Forever, is a leaded stained glass beam supported by a theater lighting truss that extends beyond the width of the gallery space to expose some of the original structure of the building. The piece is pinned between a window that has been partially uncovered from behind the gallery walls and a vertical wooden beam which harkens back to the building's early 20th century construction. This piece talks about the history of the object that it's made of, or the, the pieces of glass that it's made of, which I'll explain in a second, and also the histories of the, of the space itself. Yeah, itself yeah. So it's a kind of a conversation between the object and the space. Yeah. Um, the glass that she used as well, which I haven't mentioned yet, is um, from earlier works, and so leftover glass from earlier works she's done. So she'd been working with stained glass for a while, and she actually was in a show in 2008 here at the Western Front called Reskilling. And so some of the glass that she used in this piece was leftovers from the glass she used in that earlier piece that she also did in the same room, um, but also from other projects she's done in other places. So everything here is, is almost, other than the clear glass, all of those, the colors stained glass is sort of recycled in a certain way. It also talks about the history of her practice. Right. So. Knowles actually approached Birch with the idea of working with and responding to the gallery space and the building's history. Extending beyond her own artistic practice, Knowles, by exposing the historical details of the building, investigates the lineage of the space as a gallery. Yeah, that's another thing. I mean, uh, this, this space, every couple of months, changes in, in, in its uh, material form, not just in the art objects that are in it, um, but also in the structure, we, we always like reform the space. Usually it's only one, well, it's like natural state is just one room, but right now we build a second room for Adam Tazdown's piece. Interestingly, it's only forever, and exploring the pasts of the building finds a way of extending into the future. Um, when the show comes down on the 16th of June, we're going to, well, 16th is its last day, we're going to take this piece down and we're going to bury it in the basement. And so sometime in the future, um, maybe someone will discover it and wonder what it is. It'll be kind of interesting because people will 
you know, it's not the kind of thing you would expect in the history of a building like this, but this is a building that has a rich cultural history, so if you know a little bit about the history, you'll understand why it's there. And the place where we're growing it used to be where the Knights of Pythias, who used to inhabit this building, used to store coffins. They used to do funeral services. (laughs) And so we're curious to see what we will dig up when we're um, burying this thing. We're we're, we're, we're entombing this artwork in the place where uh, bodies maybe were once entombed. We're not sure. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. I I feel like it's a bit romantic to speculate on that, but it's fun. Yeah, it's fun, yeah. Drawing from an essay Birch wrote in addendum to the show, which is available at the Western Front website, I asked about the implications this buried beam might have for the future generation that might uncover it. So you say that in the future, when this beam, which has been buried, is maybe uncovered by unknowing archaeologists, yeah. uh, it will trigger for them a potential of remembering that which we never knew in the first place. So they may not have a connection with this, but by uncovering it, Mm, I don't know, it sort of triggers a speculation as to what it was. Yeah, exactly. And I think, you know, that's hopefully the same thing that we encounter when we encounter the artworks in this space as well. One of the things that um, I think is really important, an important task, one of the many important tasks of um, people working with culture is to um, make visible the invisible histories. So, of course, um, you know, very particular histories are what are are presented as the dominant histories in our culture or in any culture. And so I think one of the things that um, art and cultural practices can do is to show those histories which aren't generally regarded as, as being you know, important to, uh, to society as a whole, but are important. It's a Jessica Newmanen, and I'm the program coordinator of Enterprising Women Making Art. Enterprising Women Making Art, UMA, is a program of Atira Women's Resource Society, a community-based organization that supports all women and their children who are experiencing the impacts of violence and abuse. Our studio is located on 54 East Cordova and is open Monday to Friday, 10 a.m. to 5 p.m., except for every second Friday. For more information about UMA, please visit the Tira Women's Resource Society website at www.atira.bc.ca backslash UMA. The store is located on 802 East Hastings and we're open Wednesday to Sunday from 1 to 6. Please check us out on Facebook or give us a call at 604-685-8043 for more information. Oh, give me a land. 
Erica Stocking's three pieces in Properties present objects with less universally acknowledged histories. The first of her works that we looked at, Screen 404 East Pender, models after a piece by modern movement architect and furniture designer Eileen Gray called Brick Screen. Gray's piece included lacquered wood tiles wired vertically on top of each other to form a folding screen. It was both a sculpture and a functional piece of home decoration. Um, the piece that Erica did is almost exactly the same as the Eileen Gray piece, except for rather than being made of lacquered wood, it's made of drywall that she, um, she removed when she was renovating her house. Cool. So, um, so it comes from her own context. Exactly, yeah. So it comes from the necessity of the place in which she lives. Along with the reference to modern design, Stocking draws upon her personal history for the materials of her pieces. Similar to what Devin Knowles did with her old stained glass, Stocking reappropriates materials from her own context or that of her family's. There are two other works um, in the show that are also from Erica Stocking. There's a, a carpet that is, it's got very geometric patterns, it's very colorful, and, and it was woven using a latch hook rug technique but the materials she used were her family's um, clothing that they no longer could wear because they were either too small or being worn out. Um, it's a very beautiful thing that is now useful in her house, was useful in her house in a different way until it came to the gallery. And uh, the other piece by her is, uh, looks like kind of a deck chair and it's uh, made using a handrail that she took uh, off of her stairway when she moved into her place and they felt like they didn't really need the, they didn't need the, the handrail anymore, so she thought she'd use it for something else. And the, and the seat part is canvas that she had left over in her studio that she didn't need for her art practice anymore. While Knoll's piece will soon enter a state of latency underground, stockings are presented in a sort of frozen state, soon to be thawed. And so it's really interesting that these objects will um, go back into your house and be used again after the exhibition, so they're kind of on a vacation from their, cool. their usefulness, which I think complicates things like the fact that Latin Gray um, piece is such a you know, valuable commodity. Well, these works really, um, while having them in this show increases the cultural capital of, um, of Erica's overall practice, I guess, um, they don't have any kind of material value at this point in the sense that they're not for sale, they live in her house and they're, and they're, and they're become, becoming degraded by being used. Yeah. And so it's kind of like they're just, they're just on pause from their lives here mm. in this space. The personal references, as well as the construction of her work, are interesting as they address the notion of commodity fetishization. We naturally see Stocking's work as a deck chair, a mat, and a screen, all of which are pieces of furniture. In our era, we buy our furniture. We don't make it. I'm not even sure I could make a piece of furniture unless it came with a set of IKEA instructions. In his essay, Birch calls this the alienation of the arts from their modes of production. Stocking's works, accordingly, complicate trajectories of reception and consumption, because first of all, she made them, and second, she made them out of her own reappropriated materials, materials laced with their own histories. Show. 
in this front room is by Lyndall Hall. She's a Vancouver-based artist. And it is a what appears to be a sundial on an octagonal sort of plinth stand. Lyndall Hall's work seems to also have an interest in this disconnect between the formulation and current conception of an object or idea, namely time. Since the Industrial Revolution, writes Birch, the markings of time has an inherently disciplinary aspect to it. The sundial, with its thought-provoking epitaph and its direct reliance on natural forces, speaks to an earlier conception of time as something less defined. And the sundial um, has um, an epitaph that says, Whilst beholding you become old. Um, this is part of uh, a kind of a, a collection, it comes from a collection of epitaphs that a woman named Margaret Gaddy collected in the 19th century. She had a very strange practice where she would travel around the English countryside and collect all the uh, epitaphs from different, um, from different types of sundials. Cool. So she made a, a large book that had this entire collection. And she also, her other part of her project was to uh, write a book about the, the seaweeds, I believe, the seaweeds of the British Isles or something. So she had a very kind of eclectic kind yeah, of sure. um, practice, research practice. Um, and so Lyndall Hall was really interested in, in that like, desire to collect these statements. And one thing about these statements is they always have to do with, will often have to do with your body in relationship to time. Now the sundial is in a gallery, so it's not telling no. the time. It's not telling the correct time. There is a light source above at one of the open windows, mm -hmm. but it's only before the gallery opens that the light actually falls on this piece. Sure. So only the people who don't see the work <laughs> as visitors know what time it is based on the sundial. Mm -hmm. And it also doesn't account for um, daylight savings time. Yeah. So it, no matter what, it's, it's always not quite right. But the, that's not the point of the work. The point of the work is thinking about the way that we measure time, but the way that our bodies also measure time. So in some ways, it's sort of transitioning away from the object that you're looking at and towards your body, which is also an object that carries memory and history. In an inverse way, just as the body can be rendered an object, objects can be bodies. The sister exhibition to Properties was called Broken Glasses and was also exhibited at the Western Front earlier this year. The show focused on objects as actors or active participants in communication with other objects. Objects, when freed from their rigid functionality or preconceived contexts, act as vehicles that transport us or other objects to an outer limit of application. An object's capacity to reference something else reconstitutes the object as a bridge to other worlds. In one word, this is communication, and according to Birch, it is one of the most important considerations of curators. <laughs> um, but, I mean, what you said is true as a curator, when you're collecting objects, essentially, you have to be aware of the history of them and the references that they hold. Even if you're a curator who doesn't collect objects, even if you're a curator that works in virtual worlds, you right. still have to be aware that every non-object has, uh, has a relationship to the objects in the world, too. So, yeah, I think that's what curators do. We move things around and we think about things as they relate to each other, as they have conversations with one another. And we think about how um, people 
have phenomenological or intellectual、um, kind of conversations with the objects that we put in front of them. Are you looking for a volunteer opportunity that fits your schedule? Being a big sister takes less time than you think, and you can choose the volunteer opportunity that fits your life. Spend just one hour a week as a study buddy, tutor, or two hours a week as a big sister. Check out the various mentoring programs at Big Sisters of BC Lower Mainland and find a volunteer position and a little sister that will suit you to a T. Visit bigsisters.bc.ca for more information today. Erdem Tazdalen's "You, You, You: The Final Piece in Properties" monumentalizes the body as an object by placing it at the center of attention. We walk down a hallway and we enter into another room, and all we see in the room is a spotlight of a pair of speakers.、Mm-hmm. Now,、um, we're invited by the spotlight to walk into it. So, if we walk into it, something happens. So what's happening here is we've triggered a sensor that plays back every single time that the pop singer Kylie Minogue says "you" in her entire discography. So he, I think, I, I think there's about six thousand times she says "you" in her twenty-year、uh, history as a musician. In fact, there are only two songs where she doesn't say "you." What Tazdalen seems to be implying in his work is that one's understanding of the self is largely influenced by external sources. You are not completely autonomous in the construction of you, or even your own perception of you. This piece is very particular about our bodies and the way that we absorb pop culture, the way we absorb influences from other places, and then we perform them in different ways. So as we step into the spotlight, we ourselves are performing this you, basically.、Right. Similarly, our perceptions of objects are dictated by both the histories we know, and some we don't. For a variety of reasons, some histories are suppressed, overtly altered, or even erased. The narratives that we are exposed to are largely controlled by other people. So, who has the right to control and dictate? What the narratives are that we encounter. Yeah, I think the more people who are aware of the fact that they can. Create their own histories,、um, and they can all, they can read their own histories in the spaces and things around them. I think the the, the better.
The Western Front itself is home to its own collection of visible and invisible stories. On June 16th, the last day of this exhibition, the Western Front will host an open house from 12 to 5 p.m., celebrating its 40th anniversary.